0: I think I went up to making about 10 grand a month and that overnight basically just got banned. So
1: hang on, what what age were you making 10 grand? Sorry, sorry, I was
0: 15. (laughs) Honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I was a little bit relieved.
1: How much money have you made from your video with 2 million views? 30,000
0: US dollars. Wow. I think in that month alone, I made like 40 to 50 thousand. Really? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Doug looks nervous. <hilarious. laughs> it's been a long time since... I think I did like a few online ones like a minute ago, but it's been a while since I've done a podcast. But it's it nicer
2: been... doing them in the flesh, anyway.
0: No, it definitely is, yeah. Getting
1: there. Hi guys, welcome back to the Strike It Big podcast. Today we're joined with Jared West, who made over $500,000 by the age of 17. And I reckon he's well on his way to making a million before he's 20, that's for sure. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you.
0: It's a pleasure being <laughs> okay. on here, obviously. So
1: making that kind of money... At 17 years old and, and probably before that as well. I think you made a video the year before making 100,000 by 16. Right, so yeah. What's that like? You know, I can't imagine making that much money when you're in your teens.
0: Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. And I think a lot of it, it just feels like numbers on a screen, obviously, because I feel like for me, at least I live for the most part below my means. I don't really like my car, for example, is like, I think one to two grand. Like it's not, I don't buy Lamborghinis or anything like that. It feels surreal even being on a podcast, even having (laughs) eyeballs on me. I'm like, well, I just feel, I just do YouTube. Do you know what I mean? That's just something I like to do. So how Um, did you
2: start out then? Because, you know, to make that sort of money before you're 16, mm -hmm. let alone the amount of 17, you must've been working at school.
0: Yeah. So I think, so I think since primary school, I've always kind of had this idea of wanting to be a YouTuber. I think that like every kid does. I mm. think likewise to you, production mm. companies, yep. sort of stuff, right? Yeah,
1: I used to do YouTube. Um, yeah, I, I think I had sixteen thousand subscribers uh, back in the day. So not enough to make the kind of money you were making. <laughs> well, no,
0: it's just humble beginnings, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So I started out just doing a normal YouTube channel when I was maybe ten, and I was just doing these kind of like Minecraft videos. You know, I had my PC fan. It was all f- terrible videos as always. And I think in year seven, so when I was around twelve that's when I really kind of started to take YouTube seriously. And I remember there was some kid in my year and he had more subscribers than my old channel. My old channel had 50 subscribers. I remember he had a hundred and I don't know, I guess I got competitive or something like that. Cause I was like, I am going to get more subscribers than this kid. Never told anybody. I don't even know. He doesn't do YouTube anymore, mm-hmm. but yeah. And from there, it kind of just launched a passion. I just kept making videos. It was gaming at first. Um, and then over time, I just gradually kept leveling up my skills. Um, Essentially, obviously we're skipping over a lot. I'm sure we're going to cover it in detail in this podcast, but kind of leads me to where I am now. More so advanced. was it overnight success for you? Oh, no, <laughs> of course. It's never <laughs> overnight success. Is it now. not? No. <laughs> I mean, so I probably worked for like three years making YouTube videos weekly, getting like 100 views a video. I didn't get accepted for monetization until I was two years into it. So I was working for free, like for most of it. It was mainly just a passion, which is quite common with people who start doing YouTube, from what definitely.
1: I've heard. So was you different in school versus how you were on the videos? Because when when I used to do YouTube, people yeah. were like, oh, he's like a completely different character because it's more that extroverted yeah. version of yourself. Did you feel the no, same? No, hundred percent. Yeah,
0: definitely. I was I was very insular in school, even when I was doing well. So like even year twelve, so I went mm-hmm. to college, so it would have been year twelve. I was. It's, it's almost something I regret in a sense because I was very reclusive socially and I kind of wish I was more out there, but I was just so focused on like doing school, getting that side of things done. Cause I wasn't, I didn't like school until I hated it. And <laughs> it was just getting home and just doing my YouTube stuff and the stuff that I liked and could focus on.
1: Did your teachers ever tell you to stop YouTube and focus more on work? <sighs>
0: Sort of, I think. (laughs) So see, I I never want to kind of play the card of like, oh man, like I I came from like a bad place and everybody was telling me to quit because it wasn't like that. But maybe this is my kind of like egotistical sense of myself. But I was kind of an arrogant kid and I was like, okay, I don't need school. Like I'm never going to use anything from school because I just, there was almost a part of me where I can't do the school route. Like I could never focus in school. I could never, it was just never something I felt like my brain was wired to do. So I was always like, okay, I'm going to make it outside of school. So a few teachers were like, you should focus on school work, especially when GCSEs were coming out, they were like, yeah, you shouldn't do as much of this YouTube stuff. But I don't think anybody outright was like, stop doing YouTube.
1: Did they ever show your videos at the front of oh, the class with yes. the projector?
0: Yeah. <laughs> it was especially when I didn't get that many views. Yeah. I had like 300 subscribers and it was always, it's always the same kid, you know, it's yeah. like Christmas parade comes on, like the teachers are like, oh, I'll put stuff on mm. the TV. And of course they, they always play the worst videos as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: Obviously, you started or got to the point where you needed to make
0: money. Mm. Um, So how did you go about that? So it it was kind of weird. So I think I got to an age of around 13, 14, where I kind of remember having this distinct realization of like, the cost of living is so ridiculously inflated. Like I, I remember kind of asking kind of my parents and just kind of getting a general gauge of how much things cost. And, you know, the average wage is give or take maybe like, let's say, two grand a month, for example, And that's decent, Mm -hmm. at least coming out of college. And that I I remember just being like, okay, you give fifty percent to tax, for example, uh, you do all of this stuff, and you're left with a few hundred pounds, and houses are like half a million. Like that doesn't. I was like, I kind of got scared at that moment. I was like, oh, good. Like I need Mm -hmm. to make money, otherwise, I don't know. I I don't want to be left behind in a sense. I I don't want to have no freedom and time and be kind of on this rat race. I kind of learned that early, so I was like, okay, I gotta start developing skills and trying to make money and just watching videos. and That's a major advantage
2: edge. realizing that early and obviously having parents that can actually discuss that with you mm. is great. So I'm assuming that was a great
0: help. No, it was. So I guess for context, so kind of my parents, at least my dad, at least, he was, I think he started out doing kind of like music stuff. So he was kind of more in the creative space of things. And he did pretty well for himself. He was a songwriter, but eventually, you know, you've got to pay the bills somehow. So he started doing kind of like removal van businesses and he kind of just, he did a bit of Amazon FBA as well when that was hot kind of like four years ago. It still is to an extent. Mm. Um, so he's always been in the kind of like entrepreneur space of things. And I think that possibly would, have, I'd be lying if I said it didn't probably inspire and kind of like ingrain into me the fact that you can make money yourself. What What was the turning point when, like you saw YouTube as his passion? Yeah, and then business
1: like when did it switch and did you maintain the passion when it did switch because there's studies that say Mm. when someone gets paid for doing something they love they lose the love in that thing
0: yeah this is this is a tough one I think yes and no so when like if I lose the passion for something when it turns into business I would say the moment it turned into a business so I, I don't know how much you know so I when I was about 15 I did more of this kind of like So so I was always experimenting with channels because I think my thing was I just wanted to get views. I wanted to get attention because I'd spent so long not getting that. Mm. And then I had this almost like keyword, which was the kind of like the free Robux thing, which is a game on Roblox. And I basically did that as a joke and it started getting views and I kind of just almost, I milked that to an extent and I just kept making videos on that. And although they were clickbait, I tried to make sure, because a lot of people I know were kind of these kind of sketchy guys doing gray area Mm. things where they would, for example, lead their viewers onto sites and kind of make them waste all their time. I wasn't about that. I was just about trying to get views and trying to provide kind of at least somewhat of value, even though titles were slightly misleading and I'm kind of past that. I don't, that, that that's kind of a part of myself that I've kind of learned like, okay, that wasn't a good idea because it ended up um, not doing too well anyway. But so, so when you say lead them on to sites to make yeah. them not do stuff, what, what do you mean by that? So there was this kind of like culture in this kind of like area of YouTube where mm-hmm. it was like, there were these websites, I'm sure you know, them, like where you can watch ads and you get paid a percentage of money, yeah. those kind of sites, but they wouldn't pay you a percentage of money and they just make you waste your time spending ads. And I was never get a, get about gift that. gift
1: card, yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> that
0: kind of stuff. I was never really about that. I would mainly get my money from uh, like ad revenue, but I mm. would also kind of promote the sites that did actually work. It was something I did as a 15 year old kid when I was kind of still in the mindset of like, oh my God, I'm scared. I have to make money now so I don't get almost like left behind. I work a job that I don't want to work. Um... And I think when I was, I think April, 2020, that kind of whole thing came crumbling down and that, th- I think I went up to making around 10 grand a month and that overnight basically just got banned. And so hang like, on, what, what age were you <laughs> yeah. making 10 grand? Sorry, sorry, I was 15, 15.
1: 15, yeah. wow. But first we'd like to say thank you to our sponsor, public.com. Dad, a hundred years ago when you started investing, what steps did you take to become a better investor? Well, I used to take tips from the local meat market. If only you had public.com back then. Public is an investing platform that not only gives you the information and tools you need to make smarter investments. They also have a built-in optional social feature filled with analysts and notable investors to share their thoughts and help you a better investor. Well, that sounds good, but I'm more into index funds than individual stocks. Oh, I thought you might say that. Well, Public Offer ETS, which is like a bundle of different stocks put together that can help you diversify your investments during economic downturns. And coming soon, Public will have art, collectibles and more. Wow, surely it doesn't get any better than that. Well, you're in for some luck, old man. <laughs> Steady, son. The best part is they've got zero dollar fees on standard stock trades and you can get a free stock worth between three and a thousand dollars when you invest with the link in the description below. Wow. That's brilliant. Back to the podcast.
2: So how does that feel going from $10,000
0: a month Mm. to nothing? Honestly, if I'm being completely honest, I was a little bit relieved. Like, this sounds <laughs> really? very odd, that sounds very <laughs> odd, but I was, I do not want to do it anymore. I hated it, I'd always try to transition out, but I'm sure with YouTube channels, with audience profiling, like it's very hard to transition mm-hmm. out of a niche. Mm. I built this channel around a niche, And I was trying to make just content that would work like evergreen gaming content, but it just didn't work. So when it got suspended, I was like, okay, finally, I can put my time and energy into something that actually matters. And I'd gained so much experience and skills, just especially with kind of negotiation skills and just editing and making videos and thumbnails and titles that I was... I was I was like confident, like I could hopefully do it again. Obviously, there's always that thing in the back of your mind, but I tried to stay optimistic. Do you know what I mean?
1: So, what stopped you pivoting um, before you were forced to? You know, was was it just right. comfortable that you were, you're were earning that money and you felt like you couldn't stop?
0: Yeah, sort of. So it was like I I tried to transition it into a more kind of just like obviously gaming channel, mm. but it did the, the views weren't there. You post mm. a video, it would underperform straight away, and people wanted the the secret like answer to get this kind of like free robux thing and it was yeah it was it almost was weird talking about this because it was so long it's like two years Mm. ago from now and it was kind of this very weird phase especially when i was doing all my kind of gcse stuff and i was i feel like i was so pressured by school and i had all of this kind of pressure of the whole GCSEs and get a job and i was just so fixated on getting money so i didn't have to go down that route like Mm. i don't know if you guys are similar as entrepreneurs but it's kind of like the nine to five although it's kind of funny because it has this um it, it has an idea online, like a nine to five is something terrible when in reality it's not. But for some reason, I just had this vision in my mind that I have to work for myself. And mm. I think I was in that mindset. Well, I most. think you
2: come from a bit of a hustle family from what you've said. Yeah. So have you tried any other side hustles along the road? So I have. Along the road? That was a cross between route and road.
0: So have you tried any other side hustles along the road? I have. So especially when I started doing my Jared West channel. So as soon as that channel got banned, I think I was 15. This must have been kind of early 2020. I started doing the whole, because I, I used to watch Beheza, right? I mm. used to, that was like the guy I'd watched the most. So I was doing Instagram theme pages stuff. I even tried dropshipping. Mm. If I'm being honest, I was really bad at it. I feel like dropshipping is one of those things. I think you have to have a good experience. And it's all about the product and marketing. I was terrible at it. So honestly, I consider myself, I've gotten very good at one thing, which is kind of YouTube and audiences and kind of figuring out what they like. And I've just really kind of doubled down into that. And if I ever want to get into something like e-commerce, I'll find a way to bridge the two. Because I'm, I don't know, I'm always under the impression, I'm a firm believer that if you focus on one thing and stick to that thing and get really good at it, you can bridge out of that one thing eventually and I just think it's a better, I, I, I just like focusing on one thing. I just think it's a better route instead of like switching one side hustle to three. You've got to find one that I think you really like and stick to it for like a five to 10 year period. And that's where you see the kind of big gains, I suppose. So I'm
2: assuming one of the ones you didn't like was product photography.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I'm, I'm, his sure, I'm sure you did your research. <laughs> yeah, no, I hate, I think that was one of the things. So. But share, share the yeah, lessons I will, I will, I will.
2: of the height, because I think mm. that's the thing to come out of it is the lessons from it.
0: Definitely. So I started doing like Fiverr side gigs. I think when this was before the whole free Robux thing. So before that whole thing, I was making 60 pounds, I think was the withdrawal. Limit. I was making that every like couple of months. I wasn't making mm. any money. And I went to Fiverr because I wanted to do freelancing stuff. I think I was around 14, um, and I first started doing video editing and I was getting paid maybe like $2 an hour because I wanted to sell <laughs> myself really cheap so I could build my portfolio, and get reviews. Mm. And then that eventually led into like product photography. So I think I saw like some YouTuber online and he was like, oh, I made X amount doing like product photography. I think it was like Peter McKinnon. I saw he used to do that. And he's kind of this filmmaker kind of guy who yeah. does that sort of stuff. So I was like, okay, cool. Let me do that. And it started paying a good amount of money. Like I was charging, I think, $200 to do Amazon product photography. So I specialized into Amazon. I would take about seven pictures, but-
2: yeah, no. but some of them you were just nicking from elsewhere, weren't right, So
0: that was my that that, <laughs> that was my original portfolio on Fiverr. So I had oh, okay. like, I was a dumb fourteen year old. <laughs> I had no images, and I was like, "Bro, I'm just like I don't have any example work." So I thought that was so smart, cool,
2: to be honest. So smart, unbelievable. Make it till you make it. it. Yeah.
0: Mm. Um, I guess so. I get. I was. I was kind of an idiot, but I was like, okay, I, these photos look good, and I feel like I could do something like that because I was already pretty good with a camera. I think I had invested all my like birthday monies into a camera, which I think it was an 80D, honestly. So it mm. was a decent. That's camera. what Curtis used really? to do. It all all of his money, yeah. He, yeah just even cameras a camera. that were currently yeah, running yeah. were all
2: bought by Curtis when he was younger, up and
0: coming. Mm. So yeah. So I'd invested that into a camera, and I just started using that, and I basically invested it all into this business. But doing the actual product photography, I. I don't, I don't know what it was about it, but it was about like how I'd have to take a photo and then I didn't actually have a proper set. So I would use like a bit of paper. I would blue tack it to the side of my window and then I would get these like $30 like Amazon lights and I would just shine it upon it and like try and take photos. And some of them turn out okay, especially with some Photoshop. Mm. I didn't actually have Photoshop, so I had to use my editing software. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know, something about doing that and having to do all the revisions, I was just like, okay, I never want to work for somebody else again. And that was the nail on the coffin.
2: That. And that's the great thing, though, that you, you've learned lessons along the way with that, haven't you?
0: Mm, yeah, I kind of learned that, okay, this is not for me. Like freelancing is something I don't want to do. Um, which I suppose leads me onto a lot of, um, like college stuff. So I guess we're kind of moving kind of forward here, but so when I was 16, I'm sure in UK, if people don't know, you can go to college early. So I went to college to almost like a pretty prestigious school as well for like film and media production. And, um, I ended up actually dropping out a year later at 17 to to kind of do focus on YouTube full time. Mm. Um, But while there there was, I feel like there was a big emphasis on the kind of like whole freelancing Mm. side of things. And I had already done that when I was younger. So I was like, I really don't want to do this. And that was kind of one of the leading factors to why I decided to kind of cut it because I feel like they were focusing on that. And I was like, I really don't want to do this. I I feel like I can't do it. So how much had
2: you already learned about filmmaking before you went? Had you learned too much, I think, perhaps?
0: I think so. I, honestly, when I went there, I don't want to mean any digital accessible because the school is amazing. I met so many great people mm. there, uh, for example. But yeah, I, I remember going there thinking this would have been great for me when I was like 14, 15. Mm. But I felt like just from doing YouTube stuff and I had made so I probably made, before I went to that school, I probably made like 500 to 600 videos, edited them, mm. scripted all of this stuff. So I kind of got there and was like, I already know how to use a camera. I already mm. know how to use all of these editing softwares. I wasn't gaining much value from it at all. So It's because school hasn't
1: adapted, isn't it? Because (laughs) everyone's watching YouTube now. They're learning about these things sooner. I was the same as you. I knew
0: the Mm. things before they were actually teaching them. So it would have been so much better if they did it when you were 14 I mean, for sure i think i don't know I'm, I'm kind of a believer in like if you actually want to learn something you can go mm. and learn it online yeah. i think mm. you can learn at your own pace there and i think the best way to learn something especially for me at least is doing it i don't like the whole writing so i was never i was never a writing guy i'm very bad at writing i honestly <laughs> think as the days go past i'm like i think i'm generally like mildly dyslexic because i spell things all the wrong i'm really bad at grammar stuff so i never excelled we're both in the school. same yeah. really yeah. I, I always say
2: mildly dyslexic and he says no, <laughs> you're you or you so, so I'm, so, I'm or heavily dyslexic, okay, and well, uh, Dad must be very heavily dyslexic. <laughs> uh, but it sounds nicer if you say mildly. Doesn't yeah, it? I it, guess so. that you don't have to put the D cap on and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I don't know if you've
0: discussed this on the podcast, but I'd like to ask a question: How are you both in school? Obviously, if you already answered, we didn't go together. Today? Oh, <laughs> i really—I I couldn't guess.
2: Years apart, but we had completely different schooling. Yeah. I, I went to, um, to normal primary mm. comprehensive, I, much like yourself. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs hate school. You know, they just, yeah, they just—I I think hate is actually a strong word. I—I I didn't hate school. I just thought it was a waste of my time. 50, 60% of the time that I spent mm. there was a waste. And I just couldn't wait to get out. And I got out at 16 and mm. I could not wait to put my mark on the world or, or mm. whatever I was going to do. Um, so that was school for me. And I was always disappointed once I learned about finance and money and, you know, the way of the world. Because I believe you learn a lot more when you leave school than you do at school, a lot more, in a much – more condensed period
1: as well. Mm. Um, If you actually force yourself to, though, and some people aren't open to that.
2: Yeah, but I enjoy learning. Mm. You know, that's the thing. There's so much Mm. to take in. And the more you learn, the more you know you don't know so you want to learn even more, and it's, yeah. it's quite a great thing, really. Um, but that's what drives us, or both of us, doesn't it, to, um, to push a bit of financial awareness in schools because it only take. and I know I'm repeating myself, guys, but it'll only take half an hour per week for the last year of your schooling, and you would be so much more set mm. for this world, so much more. But maybe they don't want you to be
0: potentially I, th- I i honestly as i'm growing up i'm kind of realizing that more like i think schools are designed in such a way that i i, th- I think primarily it's kind of weird but i'm under the mindset of like it's almost like to take the kids away from the parents so the parents can actually work and provide for the family almost i think that is especially early schooling obviously they're teaching you a lot of stuff but yeah. that is almost what they're, they're. i don't know like i think it would be to an extent but i think in school especially when you're kind of at public school there's such a difference between people who actually want to learn stuff and don't that i think even if you're providing good value there's always going to be somebody in the class that's kind of holding it down and that's why i just think online and learning by yourself and learning at your own pace is just so much more efficient
1: yeah i was always sense. more passionate about my side mm. hustles like youtube yeah, sure. and also like, i got a scholarship to go to a private school for swimming so i had yeah. like swimming and sports and also this youtube that i had to eventually choose between the two and mm. i went with youtube and, and media production and that's led me here so everything i learned that was value was what i did in my spare time. Mm.
0: Yeah, I feel that for sure. What is um I've, I've heard you obviously did the whole swimming mm. thing. I got a few questions. How would how is that kind of like because the whole I haven't personally been an athlete and mm. stuff like that, but I've heard there's a lot of transferable skills, especially with discipline and mm. self-thing. And I think you've talked about this in a few podcasts. How mm. do you feel like that kind of is applied 100%. to your whole life? Yeah, I'd generally.
1: say the visualization and the um the dedication to you mm. know do something and see it through to the end. Um I had to be down at the pool at four AM every morning, do my training, do yes. school, and then back at the it's pool intense. at like six o'clock, eight o'clock, finish, mm. back back to, you know, sleep, get up in the morning, do it again. Mm. So that is needed, I'm sure you know, for for running a business and building a business. And mm. it's just applying those sportsmanship and also co- competition. Like you mentioned, that other guy in, in your class that had yep. the 100 subscribers. <laughs> He's like, you're always looking at the next person. Who are we going to beat? Who are we going to you know, mm. compete with in a friendly manner? And I think mm. that's an inbred thing as yeah. well because my earliest uh recollection of
2: being competitive was um, a a model competition. And there was no way I could win this model competition. Absolutely, 100%. I was a junior. We got the experts over here with the fast engines and knew how to do it. And I applied myself in that competition at at that young age Mm. and worked out that if I actually set my adjustments on the engine so it went even slower, I wouldn't need to refuel within the 30 laps of the race and I won okay. that competition. And it's, it's, I think looking it's something smart. to do with the dyslexia mm, mm. that you look for a, a a way to get
0: through it, you know, mm. an answer that will work for you. I generally think as entrepreneurs and especially me, I would honestly say my best skill is just kind of problem solving, like finding something, mm, yeah. looking at it and being like, how can you do that? And I think that's a common trend you see in a lot of entrepreneurs. Yeah. So coming back to that,
1: when you lost that 10K a month, how did yeah, you solve that problem? What did you do? <laughs> Let's get back to the story. Yeah, for
0: sure. So I think after that I was so I was obviously I was nervous, but I was also like I was also relieved to an extent because I didn't want to be known for that. That was just kind of something I'd done and I would I think I was 15 when that happened. Mm. Um this would have been April two No, so I just turned 16, I think, when it happened. And um yeah, I was finally ready to be like, okay, I actually want to do something impactful and do something meaningful to others. Because I feel like with a lot of business, that you can almost it's it's like you can earn a good amount of money, but I think as kind of we all know, like money by itself isn't going to provide you with that kind of like insane fulfillment. I almost mm-hmm. see money as myself as just kind of a level of security. So you can then have the time and resources to pursue the things that I think actually give you that fulfillment and mm-hmm. kind of give you that greater purpose. So I was kind of um, excited to finally be able to fulfill that. And I started doing that in the realm of making those Jared West videos and those business videos and kind of documenting my experience in kind of like a, almost like a optimized way, I suppose, so that it would get views and do well on YouTube. Did you Mm.
1: feel imposter syndrome when you posted your first one about making 100k at 16?
0: Sort of. So like I'd, I'd made a lot of videos before that. I think I even made a Fiverr video maybe in 2018 where I went like how I made like a few hundred from Fiverr. So it's like I'd always, I feel like I've had quite a nice progression with my whole YouTube thing because I feel like it's kind of leveled up in a quite nice like gradual way and as i've obviously said i haven't i haven't even been recognized in public before so if the whole thing still feels surreal to me it feels like numbers on a screen Mm. i think likewise Mm. to you guys especially having such a big tiktok presence you've probably been recognized in real life just
1: a few times i got recognized in malta actually to be fair by the casino guy and it wasn't the best place to be recognized i
0: could (laughs) could, could imagine but um how like how is that generally for you because well
2: for me it's not a problem because Mm. um i was quite well known when i was flying radar control helicopters and mm. we didn't have the social media at the time for that Definitely. sort of thing. And I used to travel all over the world. I know that if I competed in Poland, for example, or in Japan, well, Japan, I'd get mobbed, literally mobbed mm. as we went to the contest area. So that that's just how it was. So it's a, it's a similar thing, really. But it is really nice when people come up to you and they say, look, you've changed my life. I mean, I don't know if you watch mm. one of our recent videos. You know, the doctor was who helped me with my, my accident, he actually was one of my viewers
0: and said, it's my." So, to help you i thought how mad is that crazy really mad isn't it i mean it's wild. (laughs) i think especially for you because you you like i'm obviously like a gen z can i'm 18 so i've grown up with a lot of this stuff so Mm. when i was 10 it was known that people were going to be famous online but especially for you and to have that experience so life-changing i mean Mm. it's just i can't i I can't i can't (laughs) imagine that that's so wild i've obviously met people like I think I met this Minecraft YouTuber once for a collab and I he was pretty big. I think he had like 10 million subscribers or something like that. And he got recognized when we were out. And I just found that whole thing surreal. What was that Tommy right cool. in it? Yeah, yeah, that was him. Yeah. <laughs> he's killing it, isn't he? No, he's yeah, he's doing very, very well. He has a very interesting perspective when I actually spoke to him on VC. Yeah. It was very because I, I come from a culture of a, like a lot of micro YouTubers, they're very algorithmically focused. Mm. And this is actually funny enough saying I'm kind of leaning away from to a degree, right. but they're very like, okay, how can we get views algorithm? When I spoke to him, I was almost expecting the same conversation. Mm. Whereas he had that, he had that knowledge of the whole kind of algorithm and YouTube and optimizing these videos, but he was almost hyper-focused as well on this kind of idea of just making sure the actual content is there because you can, you can, it's it's like putting makeup on a pig. If the pig, if the product isn't actually good, you can over, like, optimize the whole thing, but it isn't going to do well. The,
2: whatever is a saying there, you can't polish a turd. So yeah. That's exactly what I was <laughs> See, thinking. your phrase yeah. is better. Your phrase is better. You but... can't do it, can you?
0: <laughs> no. Um, yeah, that was very eye-opening, I suppose, speaking to him on that mindset. And it's definitely sunk. Something... I think I'm recently starting to adopt because you, obviously we'll get onto the story Yeah, if you produce
2: quality, I've always mm. said quality will always sell. Well, that's without 100%. a doubt. It's only dependent on the price point you put on it as to if it will sell or not. If Definitely. you produce rubbish, it doesn't matter what price point you're on it. No, no one wants
1: it. Mm. Simple as that. So right. what was the first video that really exploded on your personal
0: finance channel? So I think that was... I made a video like how to get a thousand followers on Instagram and Mm. that was very search targeted. Mm. So I think that did well long term. So that went from maybe like I uploaded a few hundred views the next week it had a few thousand and then Mm. like months down the line, it maybe even kind of reached like 10,000, 100,000. So that was kind of a nice almost like it was almost like like a motor on the back of the channel, right? Um, I think the first, honestly, the first video that I would say on like Jared West that went super viral was honestly my 100,000 at 16. And I was completely not expecting that. I mean I, I I wasn't I wasn't like because I had spent like pretty much a month straight working on that editing it like the scripting process alone was like grueling honestly so from
2: that one video yeah how much did you earn you,
0: I will pull up my analytics right now <laughs> that, that's
2: a
1: nice long video it with was, a lot of you it was 93
2: nice. million 2.8 I something like
1: that something like that and yeah. we all know I'm in the personal finance niche that it's uh, quite the, lucrative the
0: RPM is very yeah. nice especially when I've come from a place like recently I suppose we'll get onto it but I've been doing like these kind of short Minecraft videos mm. and the RPM difference so how much you would make per Mm. a thousand views is shocking i will bring it up right now on lifetime and show you
2: yeah the amount you earn a lot of people ask about that and it is very variable isn't it across youtube so you can just
1: see here but well, you can you say it out loud. Say, oh, go on. Say Yeah. Be brave. Just say it. Just so say it. On, I'll, <laughs> set, I'll set you up. How much money have you made from your video with 2 million views?
0: 30,000 US dollars. Wow. Get yeah, in it, it was nice. It's nice. Yeah. Backer than that. That was surprising. I honestly expected that video to maybe get 50K to 100K views. The most wild thing when I uploaded that video, I had 50,000 subscribers. And obviously, I took a big break after it. But I think when I uploaded my next video, I had like 170,000. So I'd gone up like 120,000 subscribers since uploading that video. Just
2: tell me about these breaks you take. Yes. <laughs> What's that all about?
0: I don't know. So,
1: it's like you so go on I've sprints been, and then you need a rest.
0: I, I've always kind of been slightly inconsistent with YouTube and it's a very bad thing. I think I get bored of channels very easily and it's not a good thing. I don't, it's not something I'm particularly proud of. I'm very... I kind of like to move on to the next thing, but I think the all encompassing focus for me is always YouTube and creating different channels. So after Jared West, I was going to a stage where I kind of was getting burnt out. So just for some context, literally until this month, everything I produced on YouTube has been hundred percent produced by me. So I've done the editing scripting. I've never hired anybody, which was, it's it's very stupid looking back. I a hundred percent should have because I kept getting burnt out doing that sort of stuff. Um, so after the Jared West video, I think this was, uh, september 2020 i'm pretty sure this was when my new channel like the mcyum the gaming one randomly blew up so i like to do these things obviously i get bored i start different channels where i just post a few videos on a separate niche that i like the look of um and i'll post a video to see how it does Mm. pretty much that channel was like a minecraft gaming skit channel i did it as a complete joke and it blew up um i think in its first month it went from like zero to like 400,000 subscribers. Really? That's yeah, nuts. like it went it went. Well, from stupid. normal videos, not shorts? Uh, Normal videos, oh, yes. Well, wow. So That's I think I was crazy. making two minute videos. So the obviously yeah. how much I was making wasn't crazy, yeah. but I think in that month alone, I made like 40 to 50,000. Oh, really? And I was posting daily like Minecraft skits. And it's crazy because when I was starting up that channel, I was making I was probably spending five hours of videos. So I was like doing them every day. And some of those videos have like 20 million views somehow, which is just come. I don't know. It just seems absurd to me.
2: Well you've had you've had a week where you've made a hundred K from what I'm aware. And um so, yeah. and what do your parents think of that?
0: I don't know. They're do they get I, their head around it? I think they do. Like, they, I, especially my daddy, kind of understands the whole like YouTube ecosystem. He's actually kind of like a fan. I was speaking to somebody about this the other day. I find really funny for some reason. But he he will occasionally go on my channel and he'll like look for the hate comments for some reason, and then he'll like <laughs> show them to me and like get really like annoyed about them and yeah. will bring out to me, but oh, this is just this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And they're saying you're a rich kid and stuff like that. Yeah. I just I, don't know, I just find that stuff really funny, especially with hate stuff. I don't. It doesn't
2: well. Bother the the me. best way to let hate go over your head, did not it? Because, I think so, yeah. You know, you, you're all about entertaining people and the people that are entertained, that's mm. fantastic. Those that aren't, they're not, are they? There's mm. not a lot you can do about that.
0: <laughs> I think as long as the intention's there, like hate, yeah. hey, I, I feel like if you deep down know that your intention is to, you know, provide those people. Yeah, exactly. You're not gonna really take it personally. So
1: would you say you have a job at the moment or a business? Because what <sighs> okay, I, what I'm seeing at question. the moment is you're you're getting very passionate about channels. And yes. then as soon as the passion leaves you then you you see 100% here is
0: what I'm changing Mm. right now because I kind of got to a point where okay this can't stop so I I I was getting to a place where I'm kind of like I I consider myself like an this sounds really pretentious, like almost like an artist and almost like a businessman at the same time. Mm. And I was creating channels- entrepreneur as uh, <laughs> Ali Abdel. <so. laughs> exactly. But like I was, these two sides of me were constantly clashing on videos. And I'm sure in the Jared West video, my last one, I was constantly talking about the overthinking of videos yeah. and stuff like that. And that was something that really, I, I just kept overthinking things. I kept thinking things had to be perfect. I was a kind of a perfectionist mm. with a lot of these videos and- It got to a point where like recently, I think in the last month where I was like, okay, let me build a business. So I'm going to be running other channels and we're. Start, I'm actually partnering with a partner right now. And we're basically creating these channels and we're hiring people. We're building teams around them mm. where I'm using my knowledge of YouTube and niches to create a business essentially mm. with these channels. And that's something I've been so much more passionate about because it feels like I'm not having to, I'm, I'm, a very, I'm a macro guy, right? And I was for so long focusing on the micro details of these editing things. And now I've had like a month to take back from that. I've been it's just been so relieving not having to I just edit all your videos and just kind of do mm. that because after you do it for five years it just you know it, it becomes mentally draining And I think I was getting to that point it's, it's funny you
1: say that because that's exactly what I'm doing at the moment mm. building out brand channels what niches have you um like identified as as ones you want to hit
0: yeah so I'm I think we're doing almost like a shotgun approach especially mm. at the start where we're it's booting a ton of like these channels up We're being like, okay, this is an interesting niche. Mm. We're going to hire some people. We're going to make about mm. like five videos. We're going to invest some money into this and we're going to get like a community shout out mm. on there. So for people who don't know, it was kind of just a way to kind of get into the algorithm and get into the audience. So what we were doing is well, like currently what we're doing is we're just producing like five videos and then we're getting somebody who's bigger in the niche. We're seeing if th- we can pay them for like almost a community post or an end screen. So, so, so get- you're launching
1: shout-out. the channel with five videos. Um, because maybe that's a watch session is that the- sort
0: of so so honestly we're doing it one by one and then right, we're okay. uploading them in short succession mm. but we're targeting several niches i think we did one on roblox but it didn't turn mm-hmm. out that well so we're doing we're even trying in kind of like finance and business because i was yeah first time mm-hmm. experience from Jad west and um We're just just honestly just taking a shotgun approach. And hopefully my thing is just in six months, if we apply ourselves, then we'll be at a point where hopefully we're making a good amount of money. And then I can come back to my McYum channel and Jared West Mm. channel and treat it more as a passion. And that's kind of what I realized I have Mm. to do. And honestly, the output will be better if I treat it like that, because Mm. I won't Mm. be overthinking and treating it too much like a business. How do you get
1: over the problem of the channel being too linked to the talent? Um, So then in the future, if you needed that talent wanted to Mm. go and do something else, yeah, well so how was, could you switch it?
0: This is an interesting thing because I know a lot of guys, especially who do Minecraft stuff, that hire talents. And in my experience of hearing these people and getting advice from them, it usually always turns out sour because I think just by human nature, we're always going to strive for more. And usually there's going to be fallouts from talents, etc. So I'm actually focusing on a lot of channels, trying to make it not talent focused. So trying to run animations, for example, or... I, this is a bad example and I don't recommend getting into these niche but there were these kind of like Reddit videos where you almost mm. have this evergreen mm. Reddit content supplying and obviously those are outdated nowadays but that kind of thing where it's evergreen and sustainable and um, you can produce content without having that talent there.
2: So mm. are you doing all of this from home or do you have offices that are nice and plush with a slide <laughs> into the reception? Oh and, God,
0: and the <laughs> cameras like this I mean I would love to. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not at that point of wealth but I think eventually that's the goal especially to get into property and real estate state as well because it works two and one it's a tax write mm. off its property that's going to go up in value so i would eventually like to get that but i don't have the i don't have the like amount of wealth to do that just yet all the mental capacity with doing all these other things. I I guess so, yeah. just need more time. (laughs) I think so. I think right now, which has been a very sharp shift, where it's like, I'm taking almost the role of like a CEO and kind of a Mm -hmm. visionary person, where instead of most of my day where it was like trying to force myself to edit, it's like, I'm just communicating with a team and I'm brainstorming. That's what Mm -hmm. I'm doing all day. I'm just communicating with this guy. He says he can do it for this price. Okay. And then this is the video and just relaying information on. And that's been quite refreshing because I think for such a long time on YouTube, I've been doing the actual like gritty work where i think i'm better as a visionary and being like okay this would work and reviewing videos and be like okay you can Mm -hmm. change this and this to optimize it
1: so your young channel was was doing so great and then i believe something happened i don't know if you want to share that
0: yeah no worries so i think with youtube do you know the channel beluga by an example yeah yeah they blew up very quickly they did so they actually had a similar thing but they obviously kind of got over it so Mm. i think when you blow up really quick, YouTube will look at your channel and take like maybe like a week and blacklist it in my experience. And I've seen this right. happen to Beluga and it definitely happened to me. So I think it was after a month. I had got a really good month. I was maybe averaging like a million views a day on this channel, posting every other day. And then my channel randomly got blacklisted. So my daily kind of residual views, so views in the background, went from about a million to I think it was hundred K to two hundred K. So I got cut in fifth, for example. And That's my what the, did they
1: stop it being searched, like in the search engine? You can't that find as your well. Videos.
0: And right it was also it, they just weren't getting suggested like you yeah. could literally see on the youtube yeah. analytics graph that a bar would be like this and then the next hour it would completely disappear and it was it's this shady thing from youtube and your email support and they'll say we don't know what's going on mm. but i'm sure it's like some internal investigation that you're not botting views something like yeah, that yeah that's what i was gonna
2: say that you've mm. not got a lot of bots yeah just watching your videos yeah. and stuff like that
0: but i think after a week it passed but i i think that was almost like it slowed down the momentum i'm I think mm. Graham Stefan, from what I heard, is a big believer in this, but he's very like post a video every few weeks and stick to that schedule religiously. Mm, mm. And I honestly think that is one of the best ways to approach YouTube posting. Because mm. as much, like as mu- as much as I almost like treat YouTube as such as like it's an algorithm. And if you make a good video, it will get promoted and you can spend as much time on that video as possible. At the end of the day, YouTube is audience-based. Yeah. And audiences get bored of people, and that yeah, is going to affect the analytics. And that's something I'm recently kind of realizing, especially my last Jad West video, where I took a year off and obviously because of that, it didn't do as well. And I was kind of like, okay, I got to kind of rethink my strategy. To so it you're going to make one of those each year. So the so. So I, my last RPM was bad. It was like five dollars. Yeah, really, like five four dollars for some reason. I don't think it reached the right audience mm, because yeah. what I was concerned. So there was this video. I think they got two hundred k views, which was talking about my McYum story and Jared Wester. I don't know if you've seen that. And I think from that, I got a lot of influx of like on my Jared West channel of the Minecraft viewers. I mm. think possibly the audience has got mixed up. Mm. So that's why the RPMs like kind of in this weird midway of like five dollars, where it would usually be maybe ten dollars per thousand views.
1: Do you think that's why it's not got as many views as the, the first video? Because that, YouTube aren't pushing it as hard because they're not making as much money from it?
0: I don't, so see, see I, don't, I don't think that's a thing. I don't, I don't think because YouTube are making less money, they would push it less. I just think because the retention was bad. Like, I'm not going to lie. The retention right. was really like, it was like, I think it was 40. It's like 50% first day really? on a 12 minute video, which mm. is okay. But it dropped like pretty suddenly And the first 30 seconds was bad. Do you mm. know what I mean? And that was... It was a kick in the stomach, but I think I was actually speaking it to on, the, on the way to even this podcast. They were asking how did that video do? And I was like, it's almost like a blessed in disguise that that did bad. It sounds very counterintuitive and weird, but I feel like it's put me in a mindset where I'm like, okay, I have to hire a team now. I can't just be a solo team because if that video did well, I know the first thing I would do is I would try and make like five more overly optimized mm. videos and I would burn myself out again. So I think that it sounds like
1: your superpower is when when something bad happens, you see it as a good thing <laughs> and then know. you learn from it and adapt. I think that sort maybe is how you've got to where you are today.
0: I think so. Like recently, I think I we, we spent like I think I lost like four grand on a few channels in two days. Like I just like some stuff happened, it didn't work out, etc. Um, so is that what you how did you do that then? So I So I was like working on like hiring people and kind of like doing percentage deals with channels and like some of the deals thrown through and we got like a bad actor and like I was recommending him by a friend and he kind of like, basically in short, he scammed scam me to a degree, right? Which was annoying, but I don't know. I feel like I've always been decently good at taking L's and I have this almost like, I've always had this kind of macro mindset of where I'm like, this sounds very weird and kind of out of place, but I'm like, nothing really matters. You're all gonna, we're all gonna kind of die one day to an extent, and this four grand in a year's time isn't gonna do anything. No, you know, what doesn't ocean. kill you makes yeah. you stronger. Yeah, but you won't make
1: that mistake again. So no, hundred percent. Of
0: course yeah. I wouldn't. And I was like, I went to a partner. Like, I'm gonna take all accountability for this. This is all coming out of my pocket. This is my bad for doing this too quickly. And I always, I'm, I'm learning from that mistake. I will never make that same mistake again. Do you, know you know think I mean?
2: youngsters nowadays are afraid of failing?
0: I, I think. Honestly, no, because I feel like there's such a big culture. And as somebody who's grown up in that culture, I think you see it so often. If you're on TikTok, whatever, it's that kind of whole never give up culture. And I think it's worked to an extent where there's so much around like, don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. For me, at least it's almost ingrained into my mindset. Like, Mm. I feel like I can't give up because it's just kind of what I've grown up on, and the content I've consumed is so big around just like you, Almost like can't give, because, okay, so not giving up as a mindset is maybe slightly misleading because if something's not working, you have to let it go, obviously. But that kind of persistence mindset, and I don't know, I kind of have this thing, I feel like I'm very good at taking L's. I'm very good at taking losses. Mm. Like I can, for example, I think, I don't know if you want to get into like investing, but I had a few slightly rough investments (laughs) in the recession. Come on, on um, What's your biggest L there then? (laughs) Oh, God. So... Uh, So I was kind of I was into like the I did a bit of NFTs whatever I lost about like I think I lost about 10k there that's whatever yeah but 10k does
2: smart doesn't it a little bit yeah no what did you buy. Oh,
0: I don't know, just a bunch of like a bunch of NFT projects. They, bro, they all went down. So, how Do you know did you pick
1: mean? the one that you actually bought? Or the, oh, because I was, bought?
0: I was dumb. I actually documented it for a Jad West video, but it actually didn't make the cut. Really? um Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I was just, <laughs> Like, I, I was, I was dumb. I was like seventeen. I was seeing all these projects blow up, and I was like, oh, let me. And I did like my research, but mm. you know, there was like one in maybe a thousand that actually did well, and you'd make profit on launch. And yeah, nah, I, I lost money on that, but. As well with the whole stock recession, I'm, I have a pretty bad mindset when it comes to investing. I'm very risky because I I suppose since I'm young, I'm very like, okay, if I'm believing in something, I'm going to invest a lot into it. And I think I had like a stock on my portfolio. So I was up maybe like 50 and then now I'm down like 70 something from, it was, so I bought like a few of them. Yeah. um, And one went down like 70% in the recession and I had like a good amount into that. So that that hurt, but the you problem know, it is, what is it belief
2: is. will not make a stock go up.
0: Exactly. That's well, in the name. short term, not the long and term. And yeah. you've got to you've
2: gotta take that emotion mm. out of the equation. You've got 100%. to think really logically about buying stocks. So. Yeah,
0: hundred percent. I mean I'm <laughs> I'm still holding that stock. I've held it for about a year so the thing is i cashed out at the top but the thing is after recession it got hit really hard so i think i remember averaging down i kept averaging down kept averaging down Mm. i kept buying the dip and obviously i'm new to this whole stock Mm. game and i don't consider myself a good investment but i I take that as just like a learning experience and like okay that was an l but we're gonna move on from that
1: Mm. do you have any safer investments as well as? oh yeah i have
0: i'd say i have maybe 60 percent of my like 60 to 70% of my net worth after text just in a savings account because after okay. recession. So I have a lot of buying power to buy stuff. But honestly, right yeah. now I'm focused more so on just... Um, investing into myself. Like I was mm. going to, I had this idea in my mind, it's very dumb. You're going to want to hate me right now. <laughs> but I wanted to have this idea where I go all in into crypto when it goes down. I didn't do that.
2: Because <laughs> it went down again. <laughs> yeah, it did.
0: I, I was going to buy when like Ethereum was a thousand, but honestly it might go down to like 500 and I'm going to, you know, say, thank God I didn't do that. Mm. But yeah, I, I've, I've very much so taken the much safer approach now. I've almost learned from my stock thing. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to invest into index funds. I'm not going yeah, to get yourself down. the safety
2: net sorted once yeah. the safety net sorted do what you want but get yeah. the safety net sorted
0: i think you'll be glad to know that i've maxed out my irs no isa for it yeah. yeah there you go yeah. isa for example so yeah, I'm and you should. Something it, right. it's
1: such an advantage to <laughs> you so get that done it's great how are you investing your money in yourself now because you, you mentioned yeah that.
0: so i'm so, so we're focusing on a lot of kind of like right now at least we're looking at doing percentage deals of already existing channels Mm. and we're kind of giving them kind of like upfront incentives almost. So We're taking channels that maybe have 10,000 subscribers, but maybe on that optimized for the algorithm are still getting like decent monthly views. Mm. And we're like, okay, how can we reach out to these people, do a nice Mm. percentage deal and focus on their production and kind of, so so we're not having to go through that painful, like six month phase of that zero to kind of like a thousand subscribers Mm. phase of a channel where you invest a lot of money and it kind of hurts. We, we're like stuff that's already out of the ground, but are ready to kind of explode upwards. Mm. And we're reaching out to those people and, uh, we're, getting production teams around them and just trying to make them blow up
1: how do you make sure that they keep posting videos regularly because obviously you're putting a lot of faith in them because you can't make uh, money off
0: we're looking at channels usually which aren't around the talent so Mm -hmm. so we're looking at channels for example this is just a basic example and i clip channels i think do bad and they've got demonetized and stuff Mm. like that so you have to be very careful with that sort of stuff but something for example around like a clip channel where it's Mm. like you can produce content and it's not really about that. They just get a percentage deal for owning the channel and they kind of like, we kind of own it, but we kind of bought it out and they got Mm. a percentage of that channel for the future. So it makes it kind of easier so is, it, is it a
1: revenue percentage or equity? That like that?
0: Uh, so I guess it's a revenue of the entire channel. So mm-hmm. it's kind of both. I guess I suppose it's like an equity.
1: So you, Okay. So do you yeah. own most of the IP of those channels?
0: No, we do. So, so, yeah. so, so we, we, we own the IP. We're just mm-hmm. giving them a revenue score.
1: Okay. That yeah. makes sense. I think that's the smart way to do yeah, it. Yeah.
0: Because I suppose otherwise, we're, we're also doing deals as well. This is the one where I got scammed on where we were buying out right channels as well. And I was clumsy and I made a few bad errors and I got like somebody I thought I knew recommended me this guy and it turned Mm. out he was a bad actor so you know it it is what it is it's it's all a learning experience I'm very new to this world and obviously for Jared West at least I want to take a lot of these lessons and apply them to other things as well so yeah I guess we'll see how it goes I'm excited to see where that goes I'm enjoying it a lot more so well a good time to learn
2: these lessons is when you're young that's for for sure sure. you know a lot of people wait until they're about 30 35 Mm. and they're big lessons then and they're real setbacks whereas mm. yours are lessons that you can improve uh, going forward.
0: Mm, that's that's. I think that's always been my mindset just kind of being 18 and being young and I've almost got a nice cushion of money. It's not anything I would consider substantial for my age I suppose it is and it's good but I also see it as an opportunity like it, it would be a waste if I just I feel like took this money and was like okay I'm just going to invest this and make like 5k a month for the next like I don't know like 20 years that's not something I want to do I'd rather I'd rather go out fighting with this money because I, I don't know, maybe I have this like slight delusion, but I feel like I've learned enough and I kind of have this belief in myself that if I really want to do something, I will spend one to two years straight, even five years, just focusing on that one thing. If I really want to do it and I will make it work. I don't know. I have that mindset. Maybe it's slight delusion, but I don't know. I kind of have that belief in myself that if I really want to do something, I will focus and I will find a way to do it. So.
2: Well, that's good focus as long as there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Yes, and you know the saying: if there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel, you're in a cave.
0: Yep, you've got to
2: get back out and get started again. So, yeah,
0: and, and I feel like I'm also operating in a ecosystem, the YouTube ecosystem that I'm very familiar with. Yeah, because I would be, I suppose, I'd be much more wary if I was doing this investing all into this um, investing money into kind of channels and deals if I didn't know what I was doing. For example, mm. if I was doing something like drop shipping where I'm not as experienced, but I've had, I've been in this for like five years. I think I've had, I've had like. A lot of like multiple channels, be like five, six, do very well, like get mm. yeah, over a hundred thousand. So I feel like I'm pretty confident, and I think not only that I have a I have a good I have a good network and connection system just in YouTube in general. So mm. I don't
1: know. So yeah. for an 18 year old with um, a lot of money, you seem like right. you're very um, cautious with it and frugal. <laughs> have you have you made like a massive um, purchase on something crazy?
0: Mm. N- never. That, that isn't an investment? No, like never. Really? I mean, I bought a MacBook for like 1.2. I want you used the, to say Lambo. <laughs> no, I don't. Like, Lambo's are cool, like, maybe a supercar. Eventually. But like, maybe but like, I don't I don't know if I care that much about it like it'd mm. be nice but the thing is I know exactly what's going to happen because I've had like I'm sure it's like the same thing almost of getting like a gold play button for example mm-hmm. and just notice them there but uh, it's like they're so cool and you you aspire to them so much but after a week you don't even look at them Yeah. how do you feel about because I think you've got like a Tesla in the drive I don't know if that was for a video example how do you feel about that and just buying expensive cars in general
2: well buying expensive cars is there's, there's no journey involved mm. it's, it's instant gratification isn't it Yeah. and um, when you aspire to something the journey quite often outweighs the mm. the actual physical thing you've got there and that, that's agree, the same yeah. with competition really you mm. know you can train mm. for something train for something and um again going back to my radar control flying times mm. uh, i was coming second at national championships for something like seven years running and the day i won it was like well that was easy mm you know that's how it is where yeah. did the, where did the big
0: woohoo cut it, it went it was it wasn't there you it's, know it's weird yes it's it's almost, it is very strange it, it's almost weird because i think like you guys as well mm. are very ambitionary like i don't think there is a certain amount that you would just be like okay i'm completely done at which is mm. kind of the type of people who would achieve these big feats are the same type of people that don't sit down to enjoy them anyway. So it's almost Mm. waste on them. I'm I'm a big believer in the journey and I feel like every bad thing that you go through and every ounce of pain that you experience just makes the ending more like, like as as good. I feel like, you know, like these rich kids who are born into wealth, mm. there's almost like a degree of like, you just feel sorry for them because they don't mm. have anything to work towards and yeah. nothing has any value unless you give it value by working hard and yeah, I guess just going through the pain and suffering and losing a lot of money and I don't know. Well, this happiness is, is the journey,
2: not the destination. That's there yeah, you go. That's exactly and, it. and we try to do something at least once a year. It's more than that, obviously, but something big once a year. Like last mm. year, we flew into the ski resort by a helicopter, and we've
1: always wanted to do that. Because well, it's because we you're do. you're very frugal as well, and you well, of don't course. <laughs> you don't want to spend money on certain things. But I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah it, it, we can say it's content as well, can't mm, we? And we can make exactly. a, a TikTok about it, so it makes I sense.
0: Think so yeah, I think in the recent. Uh, Uh, kind of even like the recent months as well. So I very, just kind of uh, for some context, my social life hasn't been great. Like I don't have like a particularly massive social life because I feel like, I I mean, I have good online friends uh, who are almost, I would call business business acquaintances and some business friends, but my actual social circle IRL isn't, really anything to be honest um, and that's something I'm working at improving because I, that yeah. would just improve my work life flow yeah, in general. it's very important and- I, I
2: lost all my mm. social network at one yeah. point and it, it takes a long time to build it back and mm. for me it's incredibly important that I can spend the weekend particularly this weekend I'm off tomorrow and I'm spending that with friends for the whole of the weekend mm. and And it's great I yeah, really look forward to that and I will enjoy yeah. it and I'll be happy within that time period you know it's, it's a lot of fun and I think social more important than people give it credit for. And I'd I'd probably say particularly the younger generation because I think they've got 10,000 friends on Facebook Mm. or whatever it happens to be. But that really only equates probably to one real friend in the real world, so... I tend so agree, yeah.
0: And <laughs> yep. your whole thing about buying experiences as well, I'm 100% mm. with that. I'm definitely coming to terms with that and being like, okay, maybe I should take money here and do some cool things mm. with that because beforehand I'd be very almost against that, I mm. suppose.
1: I can't imagine how it must be for you being 18 and making so much money. Mm. You're hyper-focused on building a business and mm. they, they're doing their nine to five job and
0: maybe, and maybe they enjoy it, maybe they don't, yeah, they're out
1: partying all the time. It's just you've got different focuses in life and then mm. how do you find common ground between the two?
0: I suppose I think, I, so, so I think, especially with Mick Yum, I find a lot of common ground, especially socially humor. Like, I mm. feel like. Yeah, I probably haven't presented it too much on this thing, but I feel like I'm I'm a pretty like stupid like goofy person. I mean, it's goofy. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah I think in your bad. video, yeah, use <laughs> I know exactly. You're you, you into the American <laughs> audience here or something. I, I don't know. I do. I Should spend so fall? much. I spend <laughs> so <laughs> much time with Americans nowadays. It is so bad. Like my my parents came up to me and was just like, "You sound more American than English now." They're probably going <laughs> to disown me soon if I don't.
2: <laughs> yeah, and you use the dollars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, why? you have do we to get, really, don't you? Why yeah. do you use dollars when I you're don't. in the UK? <laughs> do you get those
0: comments? Of course. Like <laughs> my parents come to me and like, why don't you use pounds? Because I'm like, dollars mm-hmm. is a universally recognized mm-hmm. currency. It's like, ugh.
2: So easy to you know work out from that exactly. or, what you're yeah. worth in pounds exactly. or whatever. Exactly that.
1: <laughs> right. I think we should come on to our final questions. Go on then. All right. If you could only invest in one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be and why?
0: I'm not going to say yourself because I have watched other mm. podcasts. That's mm. the question you. So, if I can invest in one, honestly, like property or an index fund, one yeah. of the two. Property is probably more solid, long term is going to do best. Index mm. funds, it's more liquid, I suppose, because it's mm. easier to sell. And they also kind of over time have this as a time. Mm. Have you been asked what yours are? Or uh, do the, the people know? We have been asked. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Said,
1: I said people, as in um, hiring yeah. more uh, no, staff you know, to build businesses.
0: Yeah, 100%. So when is enough? Enough. Good question. Uh, there is, I don't know, like enough. I, th- like money is such a weird thing because There there is never going to be enough. I think... I would like to get to a stage, honestly, where my I satisfy both the kind of business side of things and the kind of more artistic, creative things. Like I have this kind of vision in mind that I don't know, in like five years time, I would love to almost do something like create a comedy series or a show like that's something i'd really like to do something in that you'd realm you'd need to be things. funny to do that guy, wouldn't <laughs> but hang
1: on hang on he, he's a goofball he's uh, so well, yeah, i am i'm am goofy sorry. no problem
2: <laughs> <laughs> the new Ricky
0: device oh, he's there God, yeah um I mean, look that, that, that's like i'd maybe like to do but i don't know i don't think there is a definitive amount where enough is enough and i guess the whole it links into the whole idea of retirement like i don't I'm not, I'm not sure how much I believe in the idea of retirement, but maybe when, do you know, I mean, I grow older and I mature as Well, when you get
2: me. as old as me, you were about to say <laughs> that, weren't you? You really were. No, I definitely didn't like point
0: to you. <laughs> well, when you're oh, young, God. you don't
2: see that mm, stage coming, but yeah. that, that stage does come. What
0: is your perspective on that?
2: I think at your age, you need to be aiming for 10 million. <laughs> <laughs> and well, once you've got 10 million invested, yeah. liquid, added together, net worth, you haven't got to worry from that stage on. And I think from I there, been. you can build if you want to build. Mm. You can sit on a beach drinking pina coladas for the rest mm. of your life, if you wish. I think that's the, that's the tipping point at about 20 years old at the moment, I think. Mm.
0: Mm. I think that's a good number to aim for. Mm. I think in the kind of when you get to, what is that, eight figures? I think that's when you can really start to consolidate down and do whatever you want. But I think it just depends what your missions and goals are in life in general. So yeah. Well, you've, you're very wise through your age. Um, thank you very much well, for coming on. Well, my investments. but
1: <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll forget those ones. <laughs> Not quite as funny as I would have liked, but oh, there you go. <laughs> if you guys did find the episode goofy, then yeah. make sure to smash that thumbs up button for the YouTube algorithm and subscribe for new videos every Friday morning. So it's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him and the funny one. (laughs) See you later. later. (laughs) See ya. That was good. That was good. Thank you,
2: guys.